0: climate change probably the issue the issue of our times i think it is the most important issue of our times but how exactly do climate activists navigate the political scene in singapore what do they want because i thought not i thought but many people say the government and other people are on to climate change already governments around the world keep talking about it there's there's cop there's all sorts of organizations that keep discussing ways to combat climate change. So, what is the ultimate goal of climate activists in Singapore? So today we are going to be speaking to two young activists. You know, young people, they always excite me and irritate me in equal measure. But I'm sure these two guests they will not be <laughs> irritating. They are wonderful people. Uh, well I know one of them at least, uh, she's a wonderful person. I'm sure the other is as well. So. SG Climate Rally. They are representatives from SG Climate Rally, and uh, I will be getting them to introduce themselves in a while. Uh, so let's let's hope this
1: works. Hey, yeah, hi everyone. I'm Hanging. I use she, her pronouns, and... Um, I have been organising with Ashley Climate Rally since 2019 when we made the first ever rally happen um, in the year of global climate strikes. Um, Yeah, very much I think inspired by Greta Thunberg and Fridays for Future. So since then I've been doing, you know, bits and pieces um, in the movement and different kinds of roles. Um, And yeah, very excited to be working on um, helping to coordinate the rally this year that's happening two saturdays from now and super excited to see all of you there okay so, yeah.
0: okay so uh that is what was the date again
1: 2013? 23rd september yeah
0: 23rd uh what time to what time at honglin park
1: 3 p.m to 7 p.m at honglin park
0: all right got it thank you so uh hanging you you do this full time or what what do you do oh
1: no <laughs> yeah. I- um so no this is you know our outside of work jobs um no one in the movement is doing this full time everyone is a student doing this after school you know or someone doing this after work um i work in diversity and inclusion in my job
0: okay nice thank you i think it's important to to get that out there that most of you guys are volunteers this is something that you do on top of your busy schedule so so thank you. Debbie you wanna go?
2: Yeah sure. And also to clarify not most of us. All of us.
0: Yes. All yeah.
2: of us are doing this. Our students also very busy. Times. Yes. 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 <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much. I'm Debbie. I'm a fourth-year public policy and global affairs student at NTU. And in the movement, I mainly help with the social media side. I'm also one of the hosts for our newly launched podcast called Climate Covidium on Spotify. Yes, yes, me. Really? You. Please
1: give it a listen if you haven't already. Debbie is yeah. so cool. to the host. Um, so excellent. So is-
2: can you repeat the name again Kopitiam. okay great yeah okay. you can So it's not
0: available on youtube right only on spotify
2: yes only on spotify
0: okay got it thank you so much okay so just uh, in the interest of transparency so debbie is also my student okay. yes uh, but that has no bearing on how this conversation will go i think yes but okay, i'm so... no
2: longer taking any of his mods so it's fine
0: <laughs> okay so yeah. First question, right? so there are other climate organizations out there, there are climate activists, you know, the way well and wild. Um, uh, we have Singapore Youth for Climate Action. Uh, so how exactly does your organization differ from others, if at all?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'd be happy to kick us off, and I will say, you know, all of those cool people and groups you've named, in FYCA. are big fans and also friends Um, so it's really all about working together and knowing where our individual also areas of focus are to complement them. Um, I would say one one big uh, kind of defining characteristic of the work that SG Climate Rally does is our keen focus on climate justice. Uh, We've been talking a lot about climate justice in the past two or three years. Um, What does that mean? It means, you know, beyond talking about the technical solutions of transitioning away from fossil fuels, uh, moving into renewable energy, uh, protecting biodiversity more. What we are interested in as a movement is how we are doing this through the lens of justice and equity, how we are... Uh, creating or pushing for climate solutions um with a mind for fairness right with a very keen understanding of who is disproportionately impacted by the climate crisis who is more responsible for the climate crisis and needs to be doing more um and what our responsibilities are to the most vulnerable um we have worked on these issues in a variety of ways whether it was the petrol tax hike back in 2021 i think people did not expect to see environmentalists they come out and say like, hey, actually, we are not pro this new petrol tax hike because it disproportionately places the burden of transitioning into a green economy on workers and on individuals um, who have the least, who are the least responsible for the crisis. Um, another, I think, just off the top of my head, something I've been thinking about is a new, I um, uh, I think URARHDB uh, has talked about doing uh, has talked about creating a long island along the Singapore east coastline um, and part of this long island aside from uh, helping address housing needs would be to address the problem of of, of uh, rising sea levels but what we would then be interested in as Raleigh is where is that sand coming from and at what cost to be reclaiming this massive new piece of Long Island, right? And uh, are we degrading and destroying Southeast Asian rivering communities in buying this sand to build this Long Island to protect Singapore from rising levels? Um, so that's kind of what we mean when we say we're climate justice focused. Uh, I think the other big kind of dimension that, that makes our work a bit different than other climate. I would say is our focus on systemic change. Um, one of our fundamental premises the movement is that lifestyle change is not enough. Right? Like It is good and important to, you know, be recycling, be reducing your waste, be eating a more plant-based diet to reduce your food emissions, but that alone is not enough because if you look at the kind of amount of emissions that individual households are putting out as a proportion of Singapore's national emissions, is like is like nothing compared to what corporations and manufacturing and our petrochemical sector is responsible for right so what our call is is that in order to shift the needle um on the climate crisis we need to be asking for systems change um which is of course not to say that individual lifestyle changes are not important and i think i speak for many in the movement that like many of us do these things you know um i eat plant-based i haven't bought new clothes in like years Only shop secondhand like but what we that that is not our focus right our focus is on what systems change can meaningfully look like to actually shift needle um yeah debbie did you want to add anything to that thank you Henry. Yes, a bit.
2: we also want to like tell people that and really have the recognition from the wider public that climate change is a global problem and recognize that what we do on our singaporean shores may actually have impacts on other countries in the region you know as a financial hub as aviation hub as a shipping hub and also homes to one of the largest oil refineries in the world in fact we are like the eighth largest exporter of chemicals in 2019 ranked by world trade statistical review and this is like on the edb website so singapore even though we are so small we actually have so we we have an outsized impact and we also have an outsized capacity to help those in the region adapt and you know manage climate change yeah okay. and i think besides that if i can add on one more point yes. is that we are very politically focused as a group so we want to engage singaporeans as active political citizens and some of oh, the oh, oh. initiatives that yeah some of the initiatives that we have Tried to do this by is for instance postcards to my mp that we are doing again in this year's rally we had this movement during ge 2020 called green watch where we organized people in their neighborhoods we connected people and and like basically gave them the platform to discuss their the their various parties like green plans and we also had like a sg green plan tracker so on that note, too, I must say that we used to be more focused on communicating like the climate science, but uh, as the understanding of climate science amongst the Singaporean like public has uh, improved a lot over the years, I think we are also very grateful that climate deniers in singapore are few and far between we are now focusing more on communicating like the impact side of it which is much less talked about when we talk about climate change
0: okay thank you that, yep, that was really comprehensive and i have so many different directions to to go uh, based okay. on what you said um so a couple of things right so one hmm. uh, one is just a comment So debbie mentioned the dirty phrase right you want singaporeans to be more politically active right uh, which is which is yeah. the which is the thrust of my show as well uh, and what i do so i'm definitely together with you on that. Mm. um but you can you can even in the the answers that the two of you give collectively you can sense why some people would be nervous about your movement right but we'll get to that later on uh but but a couple of questions I have as follow-ups from that. So one is the oil refineries. So this is a related question. Right? So, and the government's position, which does make sense to some extent, right? if the gov- if Singapore doesn't do it, somebody else will do it. So might as well do it in Singapore, where first of all, Singaporeans will benefit. And second of all, uh, Singapore has better regulations against this compared to some other country that will be doing it. Second is a related question. Climate change is a... Uh, Prisoner's dilemma situation, right? Singapore can do and any all the things. Singapore can be the greenest country in the world, but the mm-hmm. other countries, if they are not, then it doesn't it doesn't make sense for us to be the sucker in this prisoner's dilemma game mm-hmm. Actually, there's a third one, and you guys feel free to answer at any point in time. And I really like mm-hmm. what Heng Ying said because one of the cri- criticisms of climate activism or most activism, to be honest, is that. It's a very upper middle class uh, endeavor. And one of the, I guess, related criticisms to climate activism is, especially coming from the West, right, They they are imposing all of this. After they've done, they've contributed to the destruction of the environment, they have developed. When there are a lot of other countries, the environment is not exactly the priority because lifting people out of poverty is the priority. And in doing so, they may have to engage in all of these uh, environmentally unfriendly practices, right? So how would you respond to uh, these three criticisms? You, you don't have to respond to all, you can just take any any, any as you like.
1: Uh, sure, I'm happy to take the first one first and kind of go yeah. in order, yeah. So your first one was about um, if Singapore doesn't do the pet camp refining, someone else will do it and, you know, Singapore has the kind of guidelines and frameworks to try and do it cleaner than some other countries right, right say it outsource yeah. it, if it were moved to the um, other Southeast Asian countries um and that I think is the kind of pragmatic economic argument that has constantly been put forth uh my rebuttal to that would be is that really the most pragmatic choice if you think about the inevitable downfall of the fossil fuel industry. Fossil fuels are a finite resource. At some point, we're going to run out of petro- of oil that we can be extracting from, um, the, from, from under the earth's crust, right? That's why we talk about renewable energy instead. This is energy that is not finite as renewable. We can keep going with it, whereas we are going to run out of our stores of oil reserves at some point. Then, what does this mean for the portion of Singapore's economy that's built upon this very finite uh, industry that has a clear endpoint inside? Does it not make so much more economic sense for us to start figuring out how to divest right now and how to move our economy towards um, industries and sources of income that actually have a future beyond the next 50, beyond the next 100 years? Um, and i think even if you don't if, even if you're not entirely sold about how quickly um, the, the 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 fossil fuel industry is going to be collapsing because of the finite nature of the resources then i think we just have to look at the news and the kind of reputational damage that the industry has fully taken right when they're struggling to recruit new young talent to be joining the industry because tights have so much we now see a lot more clearly how pollutive and exploitative um, these industries have been at cost to the rest of the world um, so, 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 so there is such an immense I think pending decline in this industry also from the kind of consumer like reputational point of view um, so is then not the pragmatic economic thing to be figuring out economic model um, that will actually take us into the next few decades that will actually take us into the next few centuries that would be my response
2: um, okay. thank you
0: are you actually
2: I pre-empted,
0: preempted my question in your answer my follow-up question because you know in the 1990s right when i was in primary school i remember our social studies textbooks back then i right, said that brunei would run out of oil by the turn of the millennium uh, and that hasn't happened because of technological innovation, right? They seem to find you all reserves, and like people find you all reserves everywhere. Um, so, uh, but you preempted that with the second part of your of your answer. So, thank thank you for that, uh, Debbie. Do you wanna add anything?
2: yes i wanted to add so i wanted to like humor your idea your initial idea right like what if we need fossil fuels forever and we cannot find another like solution to creating plastic so if we cannot find another solution to creating like all these chemicals i never i never mentioned it oh really okay okay (laughs) I don't I don't I don't that basically, like, we need fossil fuels forever. Like, that's fine, you know, maybe we do. And then that, like, but there are still many, many steps that we can do to make sure that our usage of these fossil fuels the impact on the environment and the cause the like correlation to causing global warming is being minimized. So this can include like carbon capture utilization and storage technologies, or it can include like planting trees in Ghana or something, which is actually what Singapore is doing now. Yeah. Uh, it can also include like you know uh reskill killing these workers actually this is kind of related to like your third point about how like maybe we need to lift people out of poverty before we resolve climate change right because it's like a more like tangible in your face problem for a lot of countries and a lot of places so i think like the entire point of climate justice is saying that we Like, yes, we have all these existing social issues and social structures and inequalities in place that are very, very much being exacerbated by the climate crisis. And it will be exacerbated by the green transition if we do not like preempt this and if we do not like think about solutions right now for all this. Yeah.
0: Right. So it is an economic argument as much as it is a climate argument itself. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, so, the the second uh, question I wanted to discuss was was the rally why why this rally? So it's it first started in twenty nineteen. So I presume this is the second physical rally or second? Yeah. Okay. So uh, why do you need a rally to to do this?
2: Okay because honestly in our day-to-day lives like besides voting, what else is there that we can do okay that's a lot and yeah, the rally you mentioned is a few of now. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that really is one of them right and this is really like a physical show of our solidarity and our like belief in this issue that this needs to be looked at further and that people are willing to like spend their entire Saturdays and come out and stand behind this. Yeah.
0: Or at least part of their Saturdays, right? You yeah. still welcome people. Yeah, part of their Saturdays. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. never
1: everyone can do it. Um <laughs> I, I will say I think we have we can we can trace kind of concrete change coming out of the twenty nineteen rally um as small as it was back in the day, right? We had about two thousand people show up. Um oh, two thousand
0: that's not small. That's that's significant.
1: Well we're hoping for more um, what was the target this time? Uh, uh, more than 2,000, <laughs> that's one. Um, okay. I, I think we very much saw the impact of that right where we saw how it changed national discourse because this had never happened before you know uh mainstream media independent media were both reporting on the fact that 2000 people showed up to Honglin Park caring about climate change um this meant also that then the public was talking a bit more um as, as as the climate crisis was a part of our national discourse. This has also then a huge impact on policy making, which ultimately is one of the big picture angles we are pushing towards, um, which is greater climate ambition for Singapore. Um, One of the Big asks of all rally goers back in 2019 was to write a postcard to their MP to ask for bolder climate action. We sent these postcards out. We actually got public responses from a number of ministers and MPs. And I think one of my favorite statistics um, to bring up when we try to think about what when we try to tell people like, hey, why you should come to the rally is that in 2019 the year the rally happened the number of questions asked about climate change in parliament tripled compared to the year before i am not saying that this is purely because of the 2019 Hong Park rally um,
0: well you should
1: there's some correlation there you should say own
0: it and be proud of it
1: um, i no, think i think definitely there's, there's a lot of, correlation. There are lots of i don't think important.
0: it's coincidental i think it has a yeah uh, i mean the rally played a large part in
1: I think we very much would like to believe that because we've seen policies change right in the past three years I think we've seen the government take on a number of our suggestions that we make back in 2019 so for example we called for Singapore to be more ambitious in our net zero target so the year that we hit net zero emissions back in 2019 Singapore had set it for 2100 which was critically insufficient because globally it was recommended there was 2050 um in the past four years we've seen that change we've seen the government halve our target from a 2100 net zero target to a 2050 net zero target exactly what we're asking for we've seen it also with policy changes such as increasing the carbon tax again something we asked for back in 2019 when we said hello five dollars per ton of carbon is kind of ludicrous Um, in today's day and age so far off the global recommendation. We now see the carbon tax rising to I think $25 next year, and then a bit more, it's progressively rising over the next couple of years. Um, So I think we can't deny the impact that showing up and gathering in numbers and making your voice heard has in terms of shifting the needle in Singapore about what Singaporeans want out of our climate policies right in terms of shifting the needle in parliament as to what the appetite is um among singaporeans for bolder climate action um and yeah i think that the sum, what is that phrase you know, um the sum of the sum of the parts is greater than its node. the whole is greater than the sum of its parts some of
0: its parts yeah yeah, yeah
1: um and that for me is the power of showing up to hung up our voice collectively is so 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 much stronger in asking for a livable future than if like I said it alone or debbie said it alone so yeah John, please
0: no i i agree with you i was just asking as in it, it, it didn't mean that i was casting doubts <laughs> on the value of the rally i do think that is something and it's a it's a cardinal rule of politics as much as it is of economics if there's no demand there won't be supply i think Mm -hmm. one of the ways to show demand is to show up so i will be there and i hope everyone who's listening will be there i will be there so i see a few influencers in the in the uh, people who attend today so there, please uh, spread this as much as (laughs) possible everybody just please uh, please start,
2: we also please start, so. have like games that we are preparing and like, a kids area so you can right. bring your okay. okay, wonderful Yeah <laughs> awesome. Oh, bring Khalid yeah. Oh yeah, actually that's a good yeah. idea Yeah, okay. you can Yeah, so, yeah. I, I feel like it's not every day that you get to see a rally being organised like it's really one of the few times in the year or in Singapore's history
0: um,
2: and, and that you get to see games, right Yeah And for those no, who Sorry No, can I yeah, and for those who like maybe know that climate change exists but don't really know like how to engage with it this is your chance to come and to learn more you know because essentially like this is a problem that is we are already experiencing we cannot be apathetic towards it and if you are looking for a place to start engaging, And like play your part as an active citizen. This is the time for you to come down to our rally and do so. And I also want to point out that in Singapore, we are extremely privileged to have like a relatively effective policy implementation system. We are pretty rich and we also have quite some influence diplomatically. And so. I feel like it is our responsibility to also look at the impacts that we are having like beyond our shores and to stand in solidarity with them. So maybe if I can give a quick example. In our latest episode of the podcast, we spoke to a climate activist from the Philippines and she shared that many climate activists in the Philippines are actually being kidnapped. Or even like killed, like entire villages and families are being killed. And what they need is for the international spotlight to be shone onto these issues and for like for really like support from across the globe to pressure their governments in order to like stop this um, like violence from happening to them, you know, when we are essentially just wanting to fight for like, a sustainable and safe future it's very unfair and so this is why you should come to public on 23rd september <laughs>
0: right and of course the philippines is also uh, very vulnerable more vulnerable than many yeah. countries uh yeah. to, to climate change and you know maybe 15 20 years ago people can just ignore climate change it was yeah. just theoretical it was a science but now you <laughs> just look out of the window yeah. right and you already see like yeah. the hotness hot. the hot weathers and so on so so yeah. thank you for that um i have a question from arun uh, which i will i i want to get to about singapore being a claimant and i'm sure you guys are prepared to discuss that but before that just on the rally itself recently you guys met uh, president-elect Taman. and yes you yes. use your one chance to ask the potential president a question you use your one chance to invite him to your rally right so <laughs> are there any updates on that
1: uh Okay, okay. To clarify, our question was a multi part question. Okay. <laughs> but yes, you know, you're not the only one. We actually have gotten multiple questions in our comments as well. Hey, is President elect, or I guess at the point, President um uh, will he be showing up? Uh, so, to give some context, a couple of us were invited to um, access conversations with uh, uh, candidate Mr. Thalman. back. A couple of weeks ago, um, and we were extremely heartened to see that he spoke very passionately about the need for bolder climate action. Um, he also kind of talked to the crowd about. Um, the science of tipping points and how we need to do so much more to secure a livable future. So our question to him, um, because he was encouraging young people to get active, to be impatient for change, that's a quote. He asked young people to be impatient for change, to get out there to volunteer. Um, Our question was actually, you know, there we know a number of young people who don't actually participate in many types, uh, many of these types of cause driven advocacy that he was calling for because there is a fear that it is, you know, dangerous in Singapore, blacklisted in different ways be persecuted Um, there is some of the anxiety right so what we then put forth to him is we felt that it would be really important if President-elect Carmen could show up to make a big signal to Singaporeans. it would be it would
2: be a huge signal
1: We should not feel this anxiety in exercising our political voice. Um, And then the second part of the question was if he was elected president, as he now is, um, what does he think the role of the president is in supporting civic participation and protecting advocacy in this country? Um, Hence, you know, the invitation to the rally also to to kind of demonstrate um, his belief uh, that young people that singaporeans at large have to be impatient for change and have to be willing to show up for the kind of change we want to see uh so we followed that invitation up also with an email invitation um we have yet to hear back but we're keeping our fingers crossed
0: i think it will be huge if huge for you huge for the cause but, but i think huge for him as well if he did turn up i think it will be such a signal um because the president There are very few substantive powers that the president has. But I think the informal weight of the office is far more significant than the two executive quote unquote powers uh, uh, that the president has. Mm -hmm. So I hope so. I hope for all of our collective sake, not just for Singapore Climate Rally, I think it would be great for activism in general if he does turn up. So, uh, yeah, maybe we can all write to him as well to get him to. Turn up for for this. Joel, I just wanted to give a shout out to Joel because he has, it is the other political podcast in Singapore which is worth listening to, The Political Fruit and he he said he's subscribed to your podcast and uh, he's looking forward and nice work, Uh, nice work guys, that's what he said. Okay, all right. so uh, Arun has another, Arun's questions are quite spicy today so he has one on on Taman, since we are on the topic so president Taman, tomorrow he will will be his uh, coronation if you can use that word uh, very in right it, uh yeah yeah so tomorrow so he also did say that for certain issues we shouldn't try to change things too much how do you feel about this when post in contrast with his in, be impatient for change line? although i think he was talking about societal values not climate change i think when he was talking about uh not try to change things too fast right i believe that's what he said uh and he was saying that there will be a backlash from people who want to uh, i i don't think that was an unfair statement anyway but anyway you guys have uh, have any thoughts on this
1: um so i believe and i could be wrong um, that though the that statement was made in relation to uh, questions around LGBTQ plus rights in yeah. Singapore uh, following the repeal of 377A, but also the amendment of the constitution. Yeah. Um, and also in response to a question, I believe about abolishing the death penalty. Um, I will give my personal take, which is that I would far prefer everyone to be impatient for
2: change. Full stop Um, and also I feel that, you know, there's a limit that politicians can push because they need to appeal to the public to some extent. But I think we as citizens, we can push it even further. And in fact, we that's what SGK really has tried to do over the years. And so change happens in like small steps, but persuading the public is definitely one of it and getting people on board and teaching them like you know or even having like these kind of conversations about it is so important and should continue alongside like political advancement of any issue so yeah
0: yeah I, i i do think that there is a significant distinction to be made when it comes to um societal norms quote unquote versus clim- things like climate change uh, whereas societal norms you know in terms of gay marriage for instance there will always be a segment of the population that will not uh, be on board with it right so i think it's it's quite a different uh, set of issues so i think just to be fair to president-elect German, he wasn't talking about climate change when he was talking about that uh, so i think uh, just so as not to misrepresent him uh, his other question, Arun's other question. There are other questions here as well, and I'll get to that. Uh, Sean has a comment about uh, just stop oil, and as in you should throw something at paintings. He said, "Okay, so I will. I want to. <laughs> I want to get to just Talk oil in a while." Okay, so let me just scroll up to Arun's question. So, what do you think about Singapore's uh, claim? while well, singapore con- contemplating whether to be a claimant to the cop 27
2: loss and damage fund. fund okay i think i can take this one because we actually spent an entire podcast episode episode two to cover this topic very good yeah so good. Not, Thank you. To, not to like um say the entire episode again but basically graceful actually clarified that singapore has not decided whether we will be a claimant or even like a funder of the loss and damage fund the singapore government's position was simply that singapore is eligible to be a claimant because we are we are like considered or categorized as a developing country i think under World Trade Organization um, and so that like makes us eligible but whether we should be a claimant to the fund of course is very much like debatable and and she kind of position is that we feel that Singapore should not be a claimant to the fund because Singapore uh, in many ways has the technical and as well financial capacity to like yeah, to deal with climate change. And also, we are not, um, like, we don't have natural disasters. And so, actually, the fund was created mainly to help with adaptation, which means, like, to help cope with the impacts of climate change, especially, like, natural disasters and extreme weather events. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm also just,
0: I'm also sorry. Just, sorry. And, and Debbie, can you
2: mute yourself, you yourself first? Oh, okay. I'm,
0: Oh, okay. So it's coming from Debbie's side. Uh, the, the echo. Uh, yeah, maybe you can resolve. I don't know why it suddenly came uh, halfway. Uh, so the, the image that it would project if Singapore uh, is a claimant, right? I I think that we have far more to lose than to gain from that. I mean, it will just, it will just strengthen other people's perceptions of us, like negative other countries' negative perceptions of us. So I I hope I hope we, we decide against it because honestly the the cost outweigh the, the short term benefits of it. Okay. So we've addressed that. So uh, it's there's no
2: Wait, it's maybe I can no, add one more line. Please. Yeah so I think where like the idea of Singapore being a claimant came from is because in our like adaptation plan we tend to build like seawalls coastal protection make sure we don't sink etc um so that is estimated to cost like a hundred billion and PMD announced this in 2019 and i think we have also seen like inflation and like you know we have gst high etc apparently all this is also because like you know our expenses are increasing, and we have to deal with a lot more of these like crisis situations. Um, so yeah, I guess that's like a perspective that we can consider. Yeah,
0: but I I don't know. I am not persuaded by that as well. That's a that's a problem of a first, first world country, isn't it? Yes. But we're having all of that because we are rich, right? Isn't it? No,
1: totally. I think given our relative wealth um, to the region and actually to the rest of the world as one of the wealthiest nations, especially per Indeed. capita we should not be a claimant to the fund. Uh, My personal stance is we should be contributing to the fund on top of not being a claimant. Um, I I think if you also think about uh, uh, how Singapore's wealth has been generated over the past, you know, 50 years, some amount of that has been built off um, generating emissions, right, and profiting off of emissions, both direct and direct uh, more so indirect so yes i i think i'm fully in in agreement with you walid and a number of green groups out there in singapore as well that singapore should not be claiming from the loss and damage fund
0: i I think i think we are all in agreement okay so let's let's get to i think at the the very first question uh hanging did sort of answer some parts but maybe i'll just get the two of you to to expound a little bit more what is it that you want practically from the government if you could have a wish list right because you you yourself acknowledge that the government has moved parliament has moved and before anybody asks oh what's the point of the the questions tripling right that's how change happens right Mm. change happens gradually and people it starts with discourse changes in discourse and Mm-hmm. Uh, and so i definitely think so it's both discourse exchange policy exchange so practically what is it what more can the government do i mean you mentioned one probably the oil refineries what else what else could they um do?
1: yeah that's a great question we actually already have already made. <laughs> beautiful graphic and something like a ten page document stating exactly our policy recommendations uh based on what policies are right now at this point in time uh so our calls to action for the rally uh for a more justice focused inclusive roadmap to achieving net zero emissions how that will happen is uh from I think, main buckets accelerating the transition away from fossil fuels toward renewables. We have protecting our ecosystems and we have empowering the people to make this change happen. Um, Under each of the big calls to action we have a list of quite technical policy recommendations that we've laid out on our rally website Uh, you can check out on instagram on our telegram channel Uh, but maybe just to kind of give you a flavor of what that can look like um in terms of accelerating the transition we're asking for things like further increasing the carbon tax towards what international and scientific recommendations are for high-income economies such as um, it's looking like implementing policy tools to ensure that ordinary citizens, you and I, workers, are not disproportionately penalized by this carbon tax, um, that can enjoy some sort of uh, rebate in the form maybe of a carbon dividend, but one that is not paid up more regularly. Um, we are calling on removing carbon tax allowances for fossil fuel industries, for example, as part of our transition. Um, And then in terms of protecting the ecosystems, we're asking for recommendations such as increasing the number of nature, the percentage of Singapore, we're conserving as nature areas, I believe it's something 7.5% now, we're asking for it to go up to 20%, which is still below what the global recommendation is. we are asking for a quantitative biodiversity accounting framework right now the framework is a bit more qualitative and subjective um we're asking for as a finance hub to be disclosing and reporting nature related risks uh through adopting the tnfd framework i believe that's what it is um then i think that, that so personally the kind of bucket that I'm the most excited about is empowering the people right and like what that right. means that we have to meaningfully engage and consult with people who are going to be the most impacted by the climate crisis our frontline communities our low-income communities our migrant workers our indigenous communities um, and this can look like acknowledging the history and traditions of indigenous peoples um, in Singapore and one of our five speakers at the rally, uh, one of once Ubin, Ubin Journal will be speaking so powerfully to this. So, yeah, just like listen to him, it's gonna be amazing. Um, sorry, it, okay. sorry.
0: Yeah. sorry, can you can you uh explain who what, what do you mean by indigenous people in Singapore?
1: Um, yeah, I guess I'm referring to the well, the Orang Pulau orang lawood um, who have historically called Singapore home for years before raffles and immigrants came um they have also historically occupied a lot of the or they have lived off uh, many of the islands outside of mainland singapore so just up to you know uh three or four decades ago um, we had Orang Semakao, right, living on Pulau Samaka before it was taken over by the government to be turned into a landfill. We had um, people living on Pulau Tekong as well, uh, Pulau Ubin still, um, and these are people who have a very, very long history with the land uh, and live, I think, in deep harmony and thoughtfulness around how to keep the land and nature alive within the specific ecosystem and habitat that these islands are. Um, and yeah, a lot of that has been eroded in the name of Singapore's national development and wealth generation. Uh, so part of empowering the people and part of being climate just in our approach to the transition needs to be to bring all of these marginalised into the centre, like how do we ensure we are not um, continuing to
2: entrench socioeconomic inequity.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah so, maybe, actually, I want to please,
2: point out please. that, like, in the process of Singapore, like building Jurong Island, etc., and like basically uprooting these people, like they are the people of the sea. That's what orang laut means, I think. Um, mm-hmm. like they have been moved into like you know HDBs, etc. But if you trace the where they are now. Now, a lot of them are actually living like in poverty, they're living like in their rental flats, etc, because their livelihoods, whatever they were taught, like, you know, was uprooted from them and they have never been properly compensated ever. And so actually, the, this group, around like, SG they are trying to push for a recognition of Singapore's indigenous peoples and all that they have suffered, which is like, a part of our history that has really been erased
0: okay thank you i i do feel that i need to have uh, orang laut uh, sg on on this show yes okay. well. <laughs> please bring I, him on you will
2: have
0: I, so
1: I, much hope to so. I hope so i hope so i will
0: i will send the an invite um, and also i just i just also needed to say that because our constitution also acknowledges the malays as the indigenous people of Singapore. so that's mm we also cannot forget so the uh, the S G climate rally website i'm here so three main uh, broad categories of demands one is power to the people second launch a green re- recovery and third is redefining pragmatism and growth so, so
2: it is, wait i think that's our own oh that's your old one? <laughs> the website oh. slightly but if
1: you click on the banner image on the home page the one that says <laughs> click on that it will bring you to our rally page you scroll okay. down
2: there's a,
0: a bit of a techno, techno. sorry
2: oh, yeah, yeah, sorry am, technology okay
0: okay so i'm here but it's not yeah. the same demands, right the three demands.
2: wait wait <laughs> oh. it's supposed to be no lah. it's supposed to be accelerate the transition protect the ecosystem okay we will go and fix it but it's on our instagram is the most okay, okay, okay. One. So yeah, I, 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 yeah 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 i may just not be on the right page
1: because, okay, okay. be right because i i okay okay I'm well, this is a good reminder. We will clean up all because.
0: No, no, thank you, thank you. Okay, so I have one 2 uh, yeah. one, two-part question on activism, and then we'll address just stop all. I know we are uh, beyond time already. Okay, so, so one of the things that has happened in Singapore for a lot of uh, activists, right? When when you see you trace the. The women's rights activists you know organizations like aware and i've asked this to aware people on my on my show i, I asked this to uh constant singham who's the godmother of activism in singapore i also asked uh dot uh, the representative of ping dot or at least at least he was on my show not not formally as part of thing dot but he's part uh, of ping dot so he i asked them this about Activists in Singapore being co-opted, uh, and and you see this a lot in uh, women's rights activists. Also, increasingly over the years, LGBT activists. Um, uh, maybe climate activists going down a similar path as well, right? And <laughs> uh, and if you see overseas, especially right, you see corporations co-opting climate activists, and, uh, and a lot of times climate activists are. Uh, Activists in general i don't want to single out climate activists. they are happy to that is something i've mentioned this phrase before there is something about being in the corridors of power it, it does something to you and i think no one is immune to that and we shouldn't we shouldn't kid ourselves and think that we are above that because we are not we are we are just humans who are similarly susceptible to the trappings of power and influence and i think being in the corridors of power, it does something to a person spiritually right it does something to you emotionally right um so uh, will this happen to the two of you and as you
1: do you think, <laughs> think that climate activists are becoming co-opted in singapore
0: oh yeah hundred percent
1: yeah How yeah hundred 100%, percent 100%. 100%. 100%. How does it look?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I won't name names, but you can see that uh, uh, over the years, you can see the trends of climate, I think some at this becoming uh, more pragmatic, <laughs> right? Uh, and I am sure they have their reasons, perfectly fine reasons, no problem for me. I mean, I wouldn't judge them for doing it. as in, and, So that's, that's the discussion I wanted to have. Is it, ne- is it necessarily wrong to be co-opted? Because if you're co-opted, there are some things that you can do. Uh, And of course, there are some things that you can do If you're independent and not co-opted as well So Mm. uh, I would say Mm. I already see the beginnings of Maybe not fully co-opted But I do see the beginnings of it Um, But maybe I'm wrong You guys are in the space more So maybe you guys would Mm. uh, disagree with me And I'll defer to your wisdom Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, maybe I can Answer this. So I think every movement, including our climate movement, aims to work towards its death. So if the if like co-optation you define it as like all the climate problems is being dealt with one hundred percent and in a super good manner, then yeah, we'll be happy to no, not do this, man. You know, optation
0: that way. That's uh, that's solving oh.
2: the. Okay.
0: <laughs> cooptation means being. Close to the government, or being part of the government, or being in government circles, that you know, some activists will never be invited to certain government events. We uh, people just accept that. There are some who are not, and some who are uh, invited, right? So that's that's how I would define co-optation. But yeah, anyway, sorry, Nabeel. Yeah.
1: I think my my response would be that we need to hold space for people having different opinions or different theories of change uh, I think as, a, as, as an incredibly heterogeneous society um, there will necessarily be people who occupy very different roles in civil society and in making um, and have very different ideas as to what is the most effective way to achieve our end goal um, I think that co data is kind of usually a quite loaded word that gets right thrown around and um, mm. to insult or to say like hey, my, a my better than yours right there, there yeah. there's there's an implicit value judgment there right which course, is to be um but i think we it I, I, I think given that we have not arrived at the end point of change, it is hard for me personally to say like you are absolutely wrong in the way you are choosing to yeah, cozy up to the powers that be or attend closed door meetings. Um, I think I do not have like the I'm not so all seeing to be able to say that that is the way that we will not get change. Um I think as civil society especially civil society that is so you know small and under pressure in singapore we need to be able to hold space for people having different theories of change than us than our movement um and what to me is important is what these so-called co-opted, co-opted activists then do when they are in these corridors of power right it's like are you still is it still in your mind these activists who have not been invited into the same um corridors of power uh, how using this perhaps privilege of being invited into close consultations with the establishment are you using then um your 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 words and your actions to ensure that people who are not represented at the table are being represented Uh, I, i think yeah have to my personal take—I will not speak on behalf of the mo- movement—is my personal take. Because I've, I've learned to be a bit more generous, or, or yeah, just like hold a lot more space for people who have different ideas of what the team-making pathway is than me. I,
0: I really like the answer. Um, and Isaac, Isaac was part of SJ Climate Rally as well, right? Uh, Isaac, you. So yeah. he uh, says that there are a range of activists on the co. There is a range of activists on the uh, on the co the not co opter spectrum, and you need all to get changed. And this is this is my position as well. And I think uh, exactly what uh, uh, you said. I think we must not be whichever side we are on. We must not be arrogant because we. You need people who are close to the government to get change done. At the same time, you need people who are more independent as well. And I think. Everyone must understand that they they fulfill a role within this civil society yeah. sphere. So the last thing that should happen is those who are co-opted say, hey, see, say to the independent ones, if you're as smart as me, right, then you yeah. get things done. Mm-hmm. right?" So that's because that's a silly way of understanding politics. And yeah. likewise, if the independent say, hey, if you're co-opted, oh, you've sold your soul and so on, right? Uh, I think we uh, we need to understand that. So Teresa, yes, as long as mm-hmm. we have respect for all. No, I, as if I would modify that slightly, I would say that respect doesn't need to be given like for for whatever. It's, it really depends on the on the condition that if you are invited, if you are within the corridors of power, you have to use your voice because a lot of time people they justify to themselves in their mind, right? Oh, I, this is for the greater good, right? And then the greater good never comes, right? So I think everyone needs to be honest with themselves, understanding what what space you occupy and what are the benefits and costs of occupying that space. Um, so Arun says the skepticism inherent here with co optation is that oftentimes, because of the closed door nature of these dynamics, the public has a harder time discerning what exactly they are doing. I agree. Yeah. I mean, these closed-door dialogues, I think it should be a thing of the past, but yeah, yeah. It, it happens. On, on uh, yeah, so I, I, I agree with that. And I think also, it, there's a sense of importance that people get from getting invited to these closed-door dialogues, which I am not a fan of. Right? Yeah. Uh, so it really depends on, again, what you do when you get an opportunity for me. If you get invited to any session with the government you must never turn it down because that is really your opportunity you should never uh, turn it down it it is quite silly to turn it down Uh, but of course go there and and ask a question I don't ask like oh what is the most annoying thing about your spouse or something like that which I've heard happened in the in the past few weeks right they had one question and that's the one that they chose to ask the potential president okay the final question that I have on activism is a lot of times uh, activism is quite performative right so so I, I just had this uh, conversation with uh, a couple of students just now uh, and but basically the the uh, long story short what I said to them was you know surveys and all of these they measure sentiment but voting is where your conviction is measured or, and maybe not not just voting but in terms of what you do right? so if you ask young people a lot of them will say what are the things you care about the most right climate change right but then uh, would you give up me as you guys do i have a lot of respect for you i was vegetarian for the past two days and <laughs> best two days more than i could oh every. my
2: god clap clap for <laughs> you <Is it laughs> meat last monday every week yeah every, i, I only I I was vegetarian
0: because, uh, because um, I was in Taiwan and uh, it was not that easy to find Halaupo. Uh, but, but um,
2: so it was, was not out of your own conviction. <laughs> la.
0: It wasn't. So it's very Too bad. So you guys, you guys, I have a lot of respect. Like you said just now at the top of this, uh, of this session, you said you haven't bought new clothes uh, in years. I mean, that's, yeah. that's conviction. That's commitment. And i think many people would not be able to do that you know so i i do not use the aircon except when guests are around there's no aircon in my room so i think i have earned myself a few plastic straws right? Uh, but my <laughs> Wait, <what? laughs> my point is this my point is this like plastic straws is the easy one and is the most performative one you can take a picture with it right? but when it comes to really like sacrificing right when you have to give up the con for instance which is you know it's bread and butter for most Singaporeans right? <laughs> um, so how would you respond to the to the criticism that a lot of climate activists not you guys necessarily <laughs> the two of you are not because you guys have walked the talk right but, <laughs> uh, a, a lot of people are doing it in a performative way uh, but they don't really sacrifice things which matter to them
1: I, I, I would push back to say okay. that to say that, to, to say that okay, even if you are still using plastic straws and your aircon is on right now, I think it doesn't make someone necessarily a performative activist. Um, I think going back to what we we're saying at the very start of this podcast, uh, one of the fundamental premises of who we are as rally is that we believe systemic change um, is necessary to get us out of the climate crisis, uh, not just individual lifestyle change. I think a lot of the rhetoric or the the narrative around climate change gets distracted or we derail when we start talking about like oh but i saw you use a plastic the other day or oh you go fair price yesterday you like never bring your own reusable bag um i think that is missing the point entirely when you look at the hard numbers of where exactly our waste, like the biggest proportions of our waste and our emissions are coming from and it is not coming from me and you individually not using plastic straws for the past five years uh, i think we, we also need to be extremely careful in saying the only way to be a good climate activist is to fully embody um some of these lifestyle changes that will reduce your individual carbon footprint for multiple reasons Maybe because the idea of a carbon footprint at all um, was invented by fossil fuel giants decades ago as a way of distracting from the systemic nature of the issue. Uh, B, because there are living under the systems we do, it is simply not possible to live a zero emissions life uh, or a, pure, uh, a completely ethical life. An individual who is bound to systems and ways of buying things and eating things besides providing that I'm not choosing. Um, I think it can also run the risk of being exclusive to people who hold different identities so for example if you are disabled and you need a plastic straw to drink that does not mean you are a performative activist if you are someone who has a different body than what thrift shops in Singapore cater to that doesn't mean that simply because you cannot buy secondhand clothes um, due to various issues in Singapore you are not you you are a performative activist so I personally I think it is, we, we, we need to shift the conversation away from saying like, hey how dare you say you care about climate change if you are still, if you just recently took a plastic and about the bigger picture of what these people who are calling themselves activists are doing in terms of pushing systemic change, in terms of pushing a climate just approach to the climate transition. Um, yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I like I like that answer a lot. Uh, so it is more about systemic change than uh, than what individuals do because that's where the bulk of the problem is. And talking about uh, about lifestyle changes, yes, it's important, but it's really a small part of the picture. Okay. For a, so
2: and just, also, like in is the current it, system, it's it, just not like it's just not um, conducive for like, average. Anyone to afford like a sustainable lifestyle? Like, right, Let's right. be real. And this is because of like yeah, a many many layers of like, institutions and factors.
0: Indeed. Indeed. So, yeah. Like vegan food is not that cheap in Singapore, also right? Maybe in <laughs> Europe, it's, it's much, it's much cheaper in, in Europe, for instance. Okay, just mm-hmm. top all right. So yeah, so somebody said uh, great answer. Uh, I, I agree. That was that was fantastic. So, just top all. It seems that most of my friends in fact i've i haven't spoken to somebody uh, a normal person in the uk i mean i used to live there so i have still have some contacts there who who are in favor of just of all in fact mm-hmm. everyone that i've spoken to thinks that they have heard uh, climate cause they are making people turn off uh from this uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that
2: yeah so i think I think this is like related to the performative activism question that you had, and I think I can understand why climate activists get a bad rap because they are like chaining themselves to buildings, cementing themselves to like airplane runways, throwing soup at paintings, yeah. and yeah. people are like, "Why are you doing this?" Right? I think. From from the perspective or the context of like the UK, for example, where protests have already become like very a very regular thing, but change is still not happening, people just get so desperate for their voices to be heard that they are willing to do anything, you know, because this sometimes feels like such a life and death matter that people are just willing to put their lives on the line now in order to like inspire inspire some change. Is, and putting to putting their lives
0: on the line I think they are not putting their Okay, lines okay,
2: lines. Fair, 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 fair. Yeah.
0: I I mean I read about this uh, person was trying to get to the hospital and couldn't because of people. So uh, they're right. actually putting other people's
2: lives. Yeah. Not
0: most times. Just very yeah. rarely putting other Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Carry on, yeah. Carry yeah. Wait, what Sorry.
2: was your question again? No, I
0: interrupted your, your point as in uh, the the stop the all protest today is it helpful for climate activism in general? These kinds of strategies? right, right, right,
2: right. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So, I think in the first place. Like activi- a part of activism will always and has always been performative. So if you look at like Gandhi, for right, example, right, right, right. his activism was also in part right. performative. And the value of performative activism also cannot be understated. But at the same time, it cannot be overcame. Like the purpose of protests are to disrupt and to get like the lawmakers' attention as to the issue and so as to whether this is effective i would say to some extent of course because you you have eyes on you about whether this is able to like effectively maybe convince like the everyday citizen cuz i was actually in france for exchange and a lot of French people that I talked to were also very very sick of the trains being disrupted and like you know not being able to get about their daily lives because of the massive protests that were happening um I will say in Singapore we don't have that problem at all and I feel like we have the opposite problem yeah yeah, so I, I, we can I, afford more performative <laughs> activism if it was to draw more eyes under the <laughs> issue. Um,
1: I, I think my personal take is that anyone engaging in uh, such a type of activism needs to be incredibly thoughtful and intentional and strategic with who they are trying to make a message to. Um, I strongly believe that activism has to be about punching up, not punching down. So if you are grounding private jets on an airplane car, then by all means, in my personal opinion. But if your work is grounding people, riding public transport, on trains, trying to get to work, you know, they're not riding cars, these are everyday workers and citizens, then you are not think punching up anymore uh, you are not speaking to those holding power who are able who who have the means to make the sort of social political decisions for change that we need to see um, so I, I think it's not to throw the baby out with the bath water and say like oh my god these people are so dramatic like what are they doing please calm down but to maybe have more nuanced discussions around what the strategic thinking is behind this who is being impacted actually who are we trying to talk to is our you know performance of, of, of activism is this specific tactic or strategy actually yeah speaking to the people we want to speak
0: excellent mm-hmm. answers by by both of you I think you guys have really uh, made a, an extremely good case for climate activism the limits um, the, the necessity for it and I, I really I think I tried to push you uh, as much mm-hmm. as possible and and the two of you responded really well so thank you for that i am so, i am so. so i'll be there on the 23rd Yay. i see academia academia sg is here wake up singapore is here so i hope uh, these people in positions of influence also help us to advertise as a climate rally, and and just on a personal note, thank you for doing everything that you do. I could never make that I could never be a vegetarian. I think, I could never make the sacrifices that uh, that the two of you. The other things, not buying clothes, all of that are, are easy for me. But the vegetarian is, is hard. Uh, so thank you uh, for everything that you do. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Any final words? You. Of you. Any final words?
1: Um, my my final word would be to say please do not downplay the fact that you are not vegetarian. The fact that you've invited us here for a conversation you've platformed a conversation about climate activism and the climate crisis to your followers for the past hour like that is climate activism that's the kind of more systemic oriented change that we're asking for. So yeah, we've got to move away from the, oh I'm not vegetarian you're not vegetarian, you use plastic straw, I use plastic straw. Like, yes thank you for the solidarity and allyship.
0: Thank you, thank you so
1: much.
2: And And my final word would be, don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to come to Honglin Park. Don't be afraid to engage in these hard conversations, right? About what activism is and like using plastic straws and like how you should engage. Because the more we talk about it and the more we educate ourselves about the issue, then only can we be like effective and active participants to the solution. So yes, thank very you.
0: Very wisely holding sick. space for us. Yeah, <laughs> wisely sick from a very young uh, person. Thank you so much. All the best, and I'll see you on the 23rd. Great. Look, looking forward to it. Okay.
2: Good night, everyone. Bye
1: bye.
0: Thank
2: you. Good night. Thank you for being here. Bye. Bye.